You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once-daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. This Tuesday is Pantsuit Politics first ever live podcast at Red Pepper in Nashville. Red Pepper is a creative agency in Nashville made up of passionate people who stay curious and grow always. They design their space to inspire and cultivate big, boundless thinking, and that's why we're so excited to be there. This Tuesday, August 15th, at 5.30 p.m. You can get your tickets on our website. There's a link in the show notes. We are so excited. We can't wait to see all you guys in person for our first ever live podcast, Tuesday, August 15th at Red Pepper in Nashville. So this is Sarah from the left with another episode of Pantsuit Politics. Beth is on vacation this week, and I've gotten a ton of requests from people to talk about my life as a city commissioner, and I thought the perfect partner to have that conversation with is the mayor of Paducah, Mayor Brandy Harless, who got elected with me. We are friends. We went through Emerge Kentucky together and um, ran together and won together. And so I thought we would it would be a fun conversation for you guys to listen to. And Brandy is on the phone on her way to Leadership Kentucky. So we're going to have a little 
little conversation for your guys' enjoyment. Brandy, will you tell our listeners a little bit of your history, please? Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here to talk to you about this. We've talked to each other about this a lot, so I'm glad to be sharing it with other people. Um, so I, a little bit about my history, I actually moved out of Paducah um, as fast as I could after high school and uh, never thought I would live in that small town again. Um, so I went to college at Vanderbilt and then grad school at Boston University and got my master's in public health and went to D.C. to work for a while. And when a job in Haiti fell through, I accidentally moved home in 2009, thinking I would never stay again still. Um, but as I started to uncover all the treasures and gems of being back in Paducah, I realized how important of a place it was to me. So um, nine years later, I decided to run for office because my mom one time said, well, I guess you might as well make it the place you want to live if you're going to live here. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I ran. That's great. So we did not know each other growing up, but it's funny that we moved back the same year. Mine was not accidental. Mine was very purposeful, dragging my husband behind me like, I'm going to move with this baby. You can join me if you want. Um, but it is kind of funny. And I don't remember the first time we met. Do you, was it a merge? I think it must've been right before a merge. I don't remember having met any time prior to that. So Brandy and I did a merge Kentucky in what was it? 2013, 14, 14, 14, I think 14. So for anybody who doesn't know, Emerge Kentucky is a training program for democratic women considering public office. And I had always wanted to run. I'd had people told me about Emerge before. Um, but I felt like I was just this stay at home mom and, um, you know, what was I doing? Why was I going to do this? And I, I don't know. I think probably the real turning point for me, and I've talked about this on the show before was raising Miss President when I thought all the story I saw it and it was so consciousness raising and all the stories I told myself about why I shouldn't run and why I wasn't qualified or old enough or didn't have the right qualifications or whatever it was. I just realized like it's sort of the th- thing all women tell themselves and that's why I decided, I was like, well, I got to do something. Let's just start the bowl moving. And I did a merge, which was amazing. It's a, you know, about a six month program. You go once a month, you drive all over the state, you get all these trainings. And so Brandy and I drove a lot like she's doing now across the state of Kentucky um, and snowstorms and all kinds of things and got to know each other. And the funniest part is um, at the end of a merge, you have to fill out sort of a contract and say, within five years, I will run for office and I want to run for this office. And tell everybody about filling out your paper, Brandy. <laughs> well, on our way up there to Frankfurt, we were riding together. And um, I, the whole entire time I had been thinking about the legislature and how I was going to run for state rep or state senator or something like that. And But I still wasn't that serious about running. I, I didn't quite know if that was my thing. And I did emerge just to kind of figure out what it was all about. So on the way up there, I think we were talking about our stump speeches or something we had to do. And I kind of just got honest with myself and said, you know what? I don't think I'm a legislator. I think I'm a mayor. And it hit me in that moment. And so in like five, you know, five minutes, I prepared a stump speech. I wrote that on that piece of paper I wrote, I'm going to run for mayor of 2016. All the classmates signed it. And I forgot about it. <laughs> and it wasn't until I wasn't until I filed my paperwork and I was looking back through photos or something that I saw the actual contract I took a picture of. And it, it kind of shocked me that, you know, that's the whole, like, be careful what you put out there. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and it totally happened. Yep. Well, and it's so funny. I put down 
city commissioner in 2016. I did not forget it. Hell, it felt like it was around my neck, like an <laughs> albatross. Like I was like, well, I've told Jennifer Moore I'm going to do this. Who is the uh, head of the program? And if I don't do it, she will hunt me down and start texting me and guilting me. So I kind of thought about, it and I thought for me, my biggest problem was one of my dearest friends was a city commissioner, a wonderful woman named Carol Galt. And I thought I can't run against, I'm not going to run against Carol because it's all open seats every two years. And so then I finally procrastinated enough that I went and I think about how my procrastination was well-timed because I finally went to lunch with Carol and I said, I want to run for city commission, but I don't run against you. And she said, funny story. I'm not running again. And then I immediately called Brandy and said, I'm Carol's not running again, but I don't run against you. And you said, good. Cause I'm going to run for mayor. <laughs> <laughs> crazy well and i think about now i've said here. this i've said this to you and um i said this to groups of emerge I, I you know the reason i wanted to have this conversation with you is because our journey has been so linked and i feel so grateful for that i think that running for office and serving um particularly probably like sort of in executive roles that we have um can be so lonely and can be so isolating you know even with my husband who's you know was supportive to an extent and, um, you know, but it's sort of hard and people don't understand. And so to have someone that you've done this with from the beginning that totally understands that you totally trust, you know, our visions are, you know, I would say 99% of the time, pretty close together. And it's just been really nice to always feel like now, I think you probably have a little, you know, your journey is a little bigger and probably more burdensome at times because your role is so you're the, the mayor is like, so politically more, um, volatile and sort of a more public role, but it's been so nice to do this together. I wish everybody could go through this experience with somebody at their back. Like we have. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you think about it, the people who have ran for office and won elected positions historically have had buddies like the yeah. good old boys club. That's is, so true. Is real. And it's a club for a reason. And it means that you get to call each other and talk about it and have all that camaraderie. And so I think for women trying to break through, it's lonely because we still aren't the majority. We still don't have the good old girls club. Like it just doesn't exist. And so anytime you can find any inkling of that, like we have, it's very, very, very helpful. Um, but I think it also speaks to why the good old boys club has remained that way Yeah. because it's strong group of people who support each other. Right. And you have to have support, you know? Right. Well, and I think that, you know, if any town, our town is interesting because we, I don't know if we have a good old girls club, but we have a lot of female leadership, which has been really lucky for both of us. You know, I grew up, we had Jerry Montgomery, um, you ran against a female incumbent mayor. Our commission has been majority female for what the last, I don't know, 10 years. Wow. <laughs> a yeah, long I was time. Say four to six. But yeah, yeah, a long time. And so it's just been a really great environment to come up as a female um, public servant, politician, depending on what mood I'm in. So what do you think was <laughs> the biggest lesson you learned during the campaign? And what do you tell people or specifically women considering running for office? Well, my number one lesson was to always take the high road and to start playing real politics and like, you know, speak badly about someone or throw someone under the bus. I just held myself accountable to that and said, no, I will not play politics this way. I'm staying on the high road. And that paid off for me because I earned respect from people that I also have respect for. I maintained the respect for myself. 
And now it's kind of the way that I feel like I'm serving in the position. So that has been my number one lesson. And it continues to come back and say to me, you did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to, I, I, cause I think for me, what I always struggle with is I, I value sort of my role or my sort of, I guess one of my values is like be a truth teller. And so I don't have an ethical problem with saying, you know, this, the way this person does this is not going to work. You know, it's not that they're a bad person, but their approach is problematic. And, but it's a very mm-hmm. fine wa- line to walk. And I think you walked it well in the campaign. I think it, there's a way to say, you know, one of my favorite things you ever said in the campaign was like, we can celebrate our town and also identify our problems. Like that's, that's a thing yeah. we can walk. That's a line we can walk. And, you know, you have to do that in a campaign and you have to be, um, really careful and just always sort of check in with yourself. And that's what I always tell emerge trainees and people considering office is like, you have to, if you don't understand your own personal values and you don't have some good practice listening to your gut, this is going to be hard for you because there's a lot of decisions to make and there's a lot of cross crossroads and there's a lot of times where you're like, wait, and there's not going to be an easy answer. And there's not going to be, um, always like a clear path, a black and white. This is the right way to do it. And this is the wrong way to do it. And sometimes you're going to have to reject advice that you, that comes from sources you trust. You know, Carol, who I love told me you're going to have to do TV to win. You'll have to pay for TV to win. And I just, in my core thought, that does not sound right to me. Um, and I didn't, and I still won. So, and I don't think that's because Carol was trying to give me bad advice. I just think that the landscape changes so quickly. Um, yeah. that, you know, you always have to sort of be assessing that. What was your experience running for office, um, in a nonpartisan race in a really contentious national political environment? So the real experience was that it was pretty difficult, um, because from the outside, it was difficult because people wanted to put me into one of those mm-hmm. party buckets. Um, and, you know, I was the vice chair of the Kentucky Democratic Party right before I ran for office. And so everyone knew that I was a Democrat. It wasn't a secret by any means. And so I think we both saw some of that um, partisan politics trickle into our race. It wasn't a lot, which I'm thankful for, yeah. but it was enough to kind of, I think, stir our emotions a little bit and kind of get frustrated that, that anybody was even trying to bring that in. But what I usually say about that from just a big picture perspective and kind of the majority of the time, I felt relieved because it was so great for me to be able to say, listen, we're talking about the issues that are staring us right in the face. Like when we solve the problems that we are identifying as the mayor and the city commission, you're going to see the tangible results immediately when we solve, when we solve those problems. And they're not partisan problems. They're real problems that all of us are facing. And so I really enjoyed being able to have that conversation about issues that were um, that we could find compromise on that didn't have the labels of partisan politics attached to it. And so that to me was a relief. And, and in some ways, I kept my head down and I didn't get to have the real emotional experience that a lot of my friends had 
you know, who called me after the election and said, you're like a bright shining star in the middle of our country, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't get to have the emotional roller coaster right. because I felt like I was just had my head down the whole time, you know? And I know, I think you had a different experience. Because yeah, you were definitely. So because of the podcast and because I identify so strongly with Hillary, like I tell people like, you yeah. know, I, n- I imagined every scenario I worked through. Okay. What if we don't have an answer in my race? What if we don't have an answer in the national race? What if she, and people would ask me if you had to pick what did you, one person to win, would it be you or her? And I'm like, her, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> her, there's so much more on the line. Her, her, the answer is her. Um, and so, but the one thing I just didn't, I mean, obviously I didn't think about it. I bought tickets for the freaking inauguration, airplane tickets for me and my children. And so I just thought she was going to win. And when she, and I tell people all the time, like I realized I was going to lose the moment I realized, or she was going to lose the moment I realized I was going to win. So I never had a pure moment of like, sort of celebration because that race was so heavy emotionally for me. And, um, so it was a very bittersweet night, but you know, and, and I had the same experience, you know, knocking on doors, people, the, the few really negative comments I got, one was from somebody who was like, I wouldn't vote for a Democrat, blah, blah, blah. They all, people always want to know how you stand. But I, I also had an easy out when people particularly want to talk about the presidential race because no one was, when I would say I worked for her and she's not what people think she is, people can't argue with that, right? Like they're not going to, you know, they might, I might not persuade them. And I'm sure there are tons of people who, you know, still hate her just as much as they ever did, but like they're not, it's, then it's not like a, a, a policy argument or a whatever. Cause you can't argue with my experience working with her. So that was like kind of a nice, easy out I had when I got those questions at the doors. Um, but I mean, I really enjoyed the nonpartisan race and I think that, um, I wish, you know, I just read an article about a bunch of independents sort of joining together, running in races all over the country and the independent, uh, the, the governor of Alaska is independent. And he said, you know, people like it because otherwise you say a party and they make all these assumptions or they won't listen to you altogether. And the second you say independent, they're like, Oh, tell me more about yourself. And that's what we all want, right? We just want to be given a chance to explain where we are and what our values are and where we're coming from. And for the most part, you know, I think even in partisan races, Paducah gives people a chance in a way I can't speak to other, you know, places because I've never run in other places, but um, it was really an interesting experience. And I think most people would think because we're in Kentucky, like what I got more than anything was negativity towards being a Democrat. But I think people would be surprised how many people were like ready to rail on me if I was a Republican too in Paducah. And, you know, it's really what I think what I was just talking to the other day is one of our fellow commissioners is of a different political persuasions than Brandy and I. And we, you know, we get along very well. We agree on a lot of issues. And that commissioner's daughter was like, who I'm also very good friends with. And we know we don't agree politically was like, you know, we don't agree on anything. But I've just noticed like you guys are always on the same side. I'm like, yeah, what does that tell you? It's all bullshit. You know, like a lot of these (laughs) partisan, you know, these, you know, we just put on jerseys and we don't listen to each other and where there are really a lot of space for us to come together that's right absolutely i agree wholeheartedly and that's for me it's it's really incredible to know that i'm getting the experience of doing it in that kind of you know off the battlefield because then we're having this inherent experience of how you actually do it right and how you actually care about each other to get stuff done and i think i told um Actually, I was at the Alvin Barkley dinner the other night before Fancy Farm, and I gave a speech before Congressman Yarmouth got up. And I gave a speech about how it's our generation, you and mine and yours, Sarah, that are going to be picking up the pieces of partisan politics because the way our country was built, we're supposed to be compromising. And the best solutions are found between two opposing views. Mm. And if we don't figure that out, 
then nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, as a newly elected person, I feel the burden of figuring out how to do this well. Yeah. And Congressman Yarmouth got up and said, hey, Mayor Harless, can I have a copy of that speech? Because I'm going to share it with my leadership. Oh, that's nice. And I thought he was I thought he was joking, but he sent me an email yesterday and asked me for it. Oh, my gosh. It's so awesome. I love him. I love him. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. All right, so we win. That was exciting. And then it's like, it's like Hamilton. Winning is easy. Governing is harder. <laughs> so uh, we're on, uh, how many day? how many months are we into the job now? I mean, I guess eight, right? Seven months. Yeah. 
Well, we just started our eighth month. Yeah, we just started our eighth month. And Brandy had this great idea that we wouldn't, great but frustrating idea, that we would not make any big decisions or do anything. We'd have like a learning period. So it was 90 days. And I was literally like texting her, is it 90 days yet? With uh, probably 30 days in. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> uh, so where did you come out? We got through it though. We did. We did. Where did you come, where did you um, come up with the idea for the learning tour? Gosh. I don't know if I remember. Um, I, I'm pretty certain that someone asked me about the hundred days. Um, oh, you know, right. especially as, if you're on a presidential race, people are starting to kind of pick up cues from what's happening on the news. And so I think someone came up to me at one of my events and said, Hey, if you win this thing, I think it'd be cool for you to do the first hundred days of office. And oh, actually, that was, um, someone's suggestion during the campaign. Why don't you write out what you do in the first hundred days? And I was like, Oh, well, actually, I don't know what I would do in the first 100 days because I've never served in office before. And that's when I was like, well, wait a second. Why don't I just do 90 days of learning instead? So yeah. I think that's actually how it ended up evolving in my mind. People wanted us to like come out. And because we have these, you know, we it's I read a really great article the other day that was about marriage, really. And it was about how um, frustration is when your expectations exceed your experience. And I feel like that is like baked into people's ideas of politicians. We want incredibly high expectations. And then we're so mad at you when you don't meet them. Like people want you to roll in with a perfect vision, get it all done. And even Mitch McConnell, apparently what went was complaining pretty more openly than he has in the past that like, basically like he was saying like Donald Trump's expectations of the legislative process are not in touch with reality. <laughs> and, um, I just, but it's like, people want you like, I don't I'll never forget someone who said it, wrote an editorial, like in our first week or two, that was like, what is your vit? Like, tell us your vision for the next 20 years of Paducah. And I'm like, huh, I've been doing this like a week. What are you talking about? What's my vision for 20 years for Paducah? Let me figure out what's going on. Like I have an idea as a candidate and a citizen, what I think some of my concerns are, but I'm not foolish enough to think that I have the whole story yet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just the same 90 days yeah, was hard. That was good. I think people really gave us a lot of, um, gave us a lot of respect for doing the 90 days of learning. And it really did. The other thing it helped me was to kind of be able to give people a place to go mentally when they thought that I should have all the answers right away, like you're talking about. And so it was always really nice for me to say, hey, listen, I'm not trying to put you off. But I have I have confirmed, you know, dedicated myself to this 90 days. And I mean it like I'm not going to back down from it. It means a lot to me. And people started respecting that. And I think it really helped kind of lay off the pressure of what you're talking about, the high expectations, you know. Um, and my and, and good point. My experience definitely still doesn't even meet the expectations that even I have for myself in this role, yeah. you know. So. so what do you think has been some of the, like, what has been a hard lesson to learn or some of the biggest challenges so far? I have my ideas, but I want to hear yours first. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, I want to say I, people keep asking me the question a little bit differently. They say, what's, you know, the greatest surprise in the last eight months. And the thing I keep saying, and this is on the good side and then I'll tell you a challenge, but one of my biggest surprises so far has been um, how easy things are to change. And I feel like I experienced that the fir in the first, after the 90 days, like that month, maybe April, May, when we were talking about um, having to do some big capital expenses with our city hall and with 911. And I remember some of the staff coming and saying, hey, we're not sure we're going to pay for this. And just in that moment, I said, well, we're not going to do revenue enhancement in anytime soon in front of me until I know that we have done our due diligence and found the money in, in different places and gotten creative. And 
it was, it, there wasn't any pushback on that. It was like, okay, great. And then before we knew it, there was a proposal about where we were going to find the money. And that really gave me, I think, a good first experience of, okay, this stuff isn't as hard to move as I thought it was. It's just my perception had to change on that really the most impact I can make are in the small moments, in the small decision-making moments, not the big monumental things like right. building new sportsplex, you know. Um, so that was, a, that was a nice little um, surprise, I think, and kind of gave me a better understanding of where I could have an impact. But I'd say the biggest challenges, um, having said that, are definitely in the steering the ship towards big, great things. Yeah. It doesn't seem like city government's really set up to do big things. It's set up to do incremental things. Um, and I'm kind of a, a person who likes to think about both. Like, what's the outcome that's big, but how do we incrementally get there? And I just feel like we struggle sometimes to see what the big outcome could be on the other end. That's, that's been my biggest challenge, that the vision piece of it has been lacking. And you know that about me. I'm a big picture thinker. Like, that's what I do. I think yeah. big. I think long term, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so the challenge has been how do I get other people to think like that with me? And it's just not really set up to, to happen that way, I don't think. Right. And I, I mean, I think that. Well, I, I get, I don't get the surprise question. Why are people not asking me the surprise question? I always feel like people want me, people ask me like, do you still like your gig? That's the question I get. Like, do you still like your new job? And people, I feel so want me to complain about it. People really want me to bitch and complain about it so badly. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. It really bothers me. Like I did not knock on 5,000 doors because I thought this would be not fun. Like I knew what it would be. I had a good idea about it, what it would be like, and I wanted to do it. That's why I worked so hard to get the gig. You know, like I love this town. I think it's because we're young. I think that's probably why you're getting it. Yeah, that's probably true. And so I think. Like from, how naive were you, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not naive. Thank you so much for asking. Um, and the thing is, is like, well, and you and I have talked about this before that we get a lot of like, are you just so overwhelmed? And we're kind of like, no. <laughs> <laughs> should we be, but maybe we should be more like, maybe we should start telling people that because I think that that is also the idea, like perpetuating this idea that this is just such an overwhelming thing discourages people from running for office. Like it's totally a manageable things, oh, okay. guys. You know, like it's not this, but it's not, we're not president, you know, like it's, you could do this. You, you totally can do this. Like this is a thing that people with jobs and kids and lives can do like totally do. You can do it. Um, but the other thing I think that biggest policy or the biggest sort of challenge for me is realizing that like the policy part is easy, but the personality part is really hard because, you know, I, I have been thinking about the policy of government and the policy of a lot of things for a very long time, like going to law school, working on Capitol Hill, like policy is a very familiar place for me, but like the actual politics of personality and working um, with people is newer because I have not really done a lot of long-term nine to five jobs. I work for myself purposely because I do not enjoy trying to get people to do what I want them to do. I like to just control the situation. Um, and so that part is very challenging because politics, you know, government, just like everything else is people. And I really, really enjoy people. I love people. That's why I like knocking on doors, but like the actual, like, okay, now we have to sit down and work through because, you know, my friend, my best friend, I just went on vacation with like this, this, um, 
month was like, your brain changes gears a lot faster than other people's. And you have to give people time to like sort of acquaint. And I, I think you and I are both the same way. Like, okay, got it. Let's move on. How about this challenge? And everybody else is like, huh, I'm just what? I'm scared. Can we go back at this? Cause I still want to talk about this. And we're like, no, we got it. We got the fears we got. We understand. Let's move on. And I've just, it's really hard for me because I move so quickly to like realize other people just, you know, they need time and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny you say that because I would say that my strength and weakness is the opposite of yours. Like the policy part comes more difficult to me because I haven't had that training. Mm, but but you're, the you are. Part That's so true. A little bit easier. Yeah, because I have had a lot of the experience in leadership roles and, and being in the community-based like organization setting, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's a good thing. I mean, you know. Good we thing for Paducah that we're there together, you lucky dogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like that part. Yeah, the the puzzle pieces of policy, like, I I love that stuff. I get that stuff. I'm, you know, let's talk about that some more so I won't feel like my law school degree that I'm still paying for was a massive waste of money. Um, <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better. And what about the part, what about... Um, how do you feel like sort of now looking back on our first six months ish about how this has played a role and sort of how it's become a part of your personal life, how you've kept your personal life separate, how have you sort of taken care of yourself and all that kind of stuff? I don't know if I figured that one out yet. (laughs) Um, You're more, they want you, they want you talking all the time. So you have more, you have a more demanding schedule than I do. Everybody wants the mayor to come and make him a Duke or Duchess of Paducah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I'll tell you this. I And I probably got a little lenient because I got a little scared, to be honest with you, that um, in the very beginning, I was saying no a whole lot. Um, mm. And I kind of made myself a promise that if I wasn't interested or couldn't do something, that I would um, ask the commissioners to do it because I kind of like to share the love. And I think all of our commissioners, you guys need the same opportunity. And there are things you guys care deeply about that I don't know enough about, you know? Right. And so... That was really my practice in the beginning, and I think I got a little lax on that because I started getting worried that the mayor's role in Paducah was really only just that, like, political head role, and people wanted me to be there. So, honestly, I think I've said yes way more. Um, But my schedule is starting to get way more busy with actual activities of, like, things I want to accomplish. And so I can imagine moving forward that I'll have to go back to that mode of, hey, there's five of us. (laughs) Let's all five share the love. And I love doing that stuff. I love it. I'm a yeah, big, fa- I'm do. a big fan of the ceremonial, of the ceremonial aspect of public service. That's what I tell people. I'm like, look, everywhere I go, they introduce me and clap for me. It's freaking awesome. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. I love that. Now if you're an introvert. That's hell on earth for you. But for me, I'm like, yes, please call my name and I'll stand up and wave and everybody can clap. It's great. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh man. Well, hopefully we can keep working on spreading the love and actually sharing that responsibility because um, and I'll tell you what, the other thing, too, that's happened, I'm just not the celebrity type. Um, I do like to be able to walk into a room and be anonymous, and that is totally gone. Oh, yeah, no. So I've really had to figure out what that means now. Um, and, and a lot of times, like, what I really have to do is my car. This before. I sit in my car, and before I walk into somewhere where I know people are going to recognize me, I say, hey, you're the mayor. Be the mayor. Word. Care for people. Like, look them in the eye and care for them whenever they want to talk to you. Don't pretend, you know, don't act like you're annoyed or you're trying to go to the grocery store and all you want to do is get in and out. Like, live. You're living this because this is it right now, you know? So I have to remind myself that a lot. But I, but I, it's important for me to remind myself because why, why else did I do this if I'm right. not going to be caring, you know? So 
Well, I'm a redhead that talks a lot, so I've really never been anonymous in my whole life where people would be like, oh, I just didn't go to class. I'm like, are you kidding me? The second I don't show up, people are like, where's Sarah? I have red hair. I had glasses for the first, like, 13 years of my life, like, and I talk a whole lot. So anonymous is not a thing I'm familiar with anyway, so that worked out well for me. Okay, so we have this big national audience. I think we should close with why they should come live in Paducah. What do you think? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, How long do you have? Yeah, exactly. We're gonna need another. Ha- <laughs> we're gonna need another half hour, Nicholas. Don't be mad. Um, so you you start. You start. Woo. Okay. Let me think about how to do this the best. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin. I take a probiotic. And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable thanks to third love you can have both third love was started to take all the frustration ick and out of bra shopping that's why they make solutions for every bra problem aka problems their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school get smoothing you know where and have straps that actually stay put designed at their headquarters in san francisco and made from premium materials they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women including themselves before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze. And its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today. 
with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. I'll do it from my personal perspective. Okay, so my friend Sarah, not you, Sarah, um, from high school used to tell me when I would come home to visit Paducah during the holidays that being in Paducah as an adult was completely different than being there as a kid. And I never really believed her until I moved home myself and started kind of uncovering those treasures and gems like I mentioned before. And I always think about, you know, what it was like to see in, in Nashville. And I think, okay, if I were still living there, what would it take to talk me into living in a place like Paducah again. And so I think of all the different, like, pains in the butts that you have if you live in one of those big cities, which is traffic, number one. Yep. Um, we don't have any of that. <laughs> uh, Despite what some people that, think. <laughs> well, right, right, right. The expectations are a little bit different in a smaller town. Um, they went across town in, like, 10 seconds. But also just the, um, the low cost of living, I often always say it's 2017, you can pretty much have any job you want and work anywhere you want. Um, so if you work for one of those cool companies that likes remote working, then why not live in a place that is quaint and cute and has a great feel of community and also do your awesome high-powered job, you know? So uh, I think it's the perfect the perfect storm to be able to live in a place where you're also equidistant to like five major cities mm-hmm. and you can have day trips and weekend trips to those kinds of places. You're smack dab in the middle of the country. But also more importantly for me is just being surrounded by such a creative community. I mean, I can't imagine you can wake up any day and be in Paducah without experiencing a musician or a, an artist or a performing artist or someone who's doing something creative. And to me, that just fuels my soul and I love to be around it. Absolutely. And I think, that, I mean, Yes, to all those things, the quality of life in Paducah is really, really hard to touch. Like it's so, the cost of living is low. There is no traffic. It is a beautiful space. We have great lakes. We have two really big lakes to go play on very close by. Uh, Southern Illinois is right across the river and they have all these really cool caves and waterfalls. Like there's a lot of resources around us and within our town as far as the arts community and food and all these amazing things that are not found. When people hear small town, they think like Walmart and McDonald's. And that is not the case here. Like we have su- such amazing things. But I think the sense of community for me is so huge. You know, when we went to, we just went to Toronto for vacation and it was a really cool, amazing place. 65% of the population in Toronto is not from Canada. So there is amazing food and all these different, um, resources, but two things happened that really crystallized why I lived in Paducah. One is we had a babysitter come over on Friday night that we met actually through a listener to Pansy Politics and she is from Mexico and she's lived in Toronto for a while and she was just talking about how she hates it. Because when people are, when the population is so diverse, people are really sort of insular and protective. You know, she had a guy sort of half assault her. No one came to her aid. It's very hard to make friends. It's very expensive. Um, and she just feels very alone and she just feels like it's her and her boyfriend against the world. And she, they're trying, they're trying desperately to move to Montreal and get away from Toronto. And the other thing that happened is the whole week that I was in Canada, even though I was with my, you know, my kids and my husband and my best friend from college, like I missed Paducah. I missed my tribe. I was dreaming about you and Josh Coffee, this guy who gives my kids violin lessons, <laughs> like the ladies from my church, like just my list of people who are looking out for me and know my kids 
and, you know, sort of know what we're, you know, if we have something terrible happen to us are there for us is so I could list, I bet a hundred people in Paducah who would be at my house if I called them in a minute without trying, probably without even listing my family members, like the, just the community in this town. If you show up and get involved and, um, it's just un. Believable. And I'm talking everybody from, like I said, my, my little church ladies to like our tattooed artist friends. Like it's just the people of this town. You know, I said on the campaign and it sounded trite, but it's true that the Paducah's greatest resource are is its people. And it's such an amazing community to live in, especially if you have young kids. So I just, I did, I missed the tribe so much when I was a kid. I never had that experience before, even like kind of growing up in Paducah, you don't think about that stuff when you're a kid. And Paducah is so different than when we grew up. It's so much more complex and diverse and the arts community, you know, you told me this for the first time and I've repeated it a kabillion times since you told me, which is, you know, Paducah reached out to the artists because there was a lot of sort of the society people wanted art as a commodity. They wanted pretty things to look at. They wanted galleries. They wanted the symphony. They wanted things for entertainment's purposes. But what was not anticipated, and thank goodness, um, because it's, it's I think it's one of our greatest resources, is that all the artists that came to our town during the Lower Town Relocation Project and all these other things really changed the fabric of our town and really made it what it is today. And, you know, we owe them a huge debt of gratitude. Um, Paducah was great before, and there's a, people who've lived here for generations, including my family that were wonderful and made the fabric of the town. But this infusion of life and creativity and people with a different worldview and different experiences has just been so amazing. Um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful for it. So everyone should move to Paducah. Actually, not everyone, because that would probably really screw up the traffic situation we got going on right now. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, like a healthy, a healthy amount of people would be great. Yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed. Well, well, one of my favorite quotes just to end with that is um, from Irvin Cobb, you know, the author Irvin Cobb that's from Paducah, and he's kind of one of our treasures historically. And he there's this sign out front of the building that my husband and I own on Broadway, and it's a quote from him that says, Paducah is the perfect combination of northern enterprise, western kindliness, and superimposed upon a southern hospitality background. Yes. Yes. And I think it's like the perfect way to describe. And my friend has said that my friend who's like, she is so funny. She's like, you know, you're like not the deep South, which is kind of gross. Like she thinks Spanish moss is gross. <laughs> I love Spanish moss, but she's like, it's just gross. <laughs> it's growing on things. She's like, it's not like super ridiculously hot, but you have like the Southern hospitality. I think we have a very, even though I fought this for so long and my husband will say like, Paducah is not Southern. I get really defensive about that. But like, we are sort of this mix of Midwestern and Southern that is really, really enjoyable. It's like we have all the nice Midwestern attitude without all the cold that keeps people freezing and in their houses. And with this like great Southern <laughs> hospitality and we are, we're like a little mix of everything and it's really, really awesome. So y'all come visit Brandy Knot in Paducah. Or live here. That yes, works too. Please do. Brandy, <laughs> Mayor, I'm sorry. I'm not call, supposed to call you Brandy. We have one of our beloved commissioners, Sandra Wilson, who we both love, um, is really into like she's not into titles, but she just thinks formality is very important. And it's very hard for me to call Brandy Mayor Harless because she's my friend. I've been calling her Brandy for a long time. So thanks for joining us, Mayor Harless. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thank you to my husband, our executive producer, Nicholas Holland, and to Leslie, Tracy, and Sabrina, our other executive producers. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, keep it nuanced, y'all.